Am I on now? Yes. Okay, good. Thanks. Good morning. It's good to see that uh, despite the holidays, uh, I was just expecting maybe half the crowd here and we could just conduct a Bible study. <laughs> but great, we beat the trend, you know. This is uh, great to see all of you. It's always great to come together and worship the Lord. Any time of the month, any time of the year, and although we just do once a week, it's great to be here. The passage which Josh read to us just now, which come under what we normally refer to as the Ten Commandments. The incident where the Ten Commandments was given was rather dramatic, a dramatic incident. And I always recall back when I see how the show where Charleston Heston played the Ten Commandments, the, 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 the CGI at the time, the, the, the hills, with all the fires. I thought it was, it was quite, it struck something in my heart for so long. And I still remember that. But I believe that if we were there, we were there during that time, I think that the, the sight would be even awesome. We will be shaking in our knees when God visited them at Mount Sinai. Well, if you are like me, which I like to frame up my thinking with some structures, I think it's easy, easier to understand the Bible or God's plan if we frame up to five visitations of God to man. Well, in between, God actually visited individual men, uh, have different visitations. And we know God is everywhere. But there are five special occasions where God visited men, a man representative, in such a way that it defined our theology, it defined our doctrine. It defined how we come to understand what God's plan for us. The first is at the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden where God can just come in in the cool of the evening and have fellowship with man. That promised us of what man is to be. Full relationship with God. God just come and just have fellowship with man. That was what supposed to be. That was the first one. And we know that how it failed when man chose to sin and to rebel against God. So that was the first, def, uh, first, first visitation. And we can actually unpack that to a lot of studies. The second visitation to me is this visitation where we read at Mount Sinai where God have to spell out, spell out the fallenness of man and what it actually takes for us to actually turn back to Him. Actually, it's 613 commandments Actually, if you actually list every of the commandments or what trans, uh, God gave to Moses, it's 613. But the 10 seems to be distinctive by its own. The first, the second, and the third visitation. visitation. The third visitation we celebrated on Christmas Day. 
we make it a joyful occasion. The third visitation is the visitation of Jesus Christ coming down to earth, showing himself, God coming down to earth to reveal himself. And most, most importantly, as George has shared, to die on the cross so that we can be fully restored. That is the third visitation. The fourth visitation to me, I feel is important, which is really not... We should learn more from that. And that is Pentecost, the visitation of the Holy Spirit. And I think, Josh, this year, this, coming, this year actually, we are going to have to study the book of Acts. And in that, we can actually study the visitation of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit empower, inspire the church in this setting and continue to do so till now. So it's an important visitation of God, the Holy Spirit, in Pentecost. That's the fourth visitation. And the final visitation is when Christ come again. When Christ come again. And actually, so you can actually frame your thinking of Christian doctrine by these five visitations. And in the middle, you can add up to your understanding of particular verses, particular issues as regard to our Christian life. This is how I think. So, if it's helpful, uh, use this. If not helpful, you have another way. Praise the Lord, you know. So, anyway. So, we are looking at the second visitation. The second visitation. And in here, uh, George read for us, from 1 to 17, the commandment given, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. To me, I would like to de- deal a bit more into the very second, first, uh, second verse, the precursor of the Ten Commandments. Because I feel that if we were to be able to take that and let that sink in, the rest sort of fall into place. Fall into place. Well, even Jesus was asked, uh, what's the greatest commandment? He simplify it and say, love your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. There is a, an overall simplification which will be the driving, driving thought behind the Ten Commandments. So let's look at verse 2. It says here, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. At that moment, when the Ten Commandments was given, God had delivered the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt under the uh, pharaohs with the ten plague. Take them through the Red Sea with the pharaoh pursuing them guided them with the pillars of fire and the cloud, all through up to that day, they have seen a lot of intervention by God. So that is the setting when they come to Mount Sinai and this was it. And God said, God came down and gave, spoke to Moses and gave the 613 commandments. I am the Lord your God. Let's stop there for a moment. Lord, your God. 
Now, God, the subject, the preposition of God himself is too high. It's very high. That if we were just to capture that thought of who God is, I think it's sufficient for us to run our life. God who spoke there is God. Whether the people receive it, believe it or not. Whether they choose to accept it or not. God is. God does not begin to be when you start framing your thought or your culture or your thinking or your philosophy. He does not start from that moment. He does not exist. Only when we start thinking. God is. That is the kind of God the Bible speaks on. It was even before nothing. Because He created nothing. From nothing, He created the whole universe. So this is the God. And when we think of this God, you think of the God who created all these things from nothing and He has the authority God do not have authority because he has power infused on him. He has the authority because he is God. We can relate. We can try to relate to this bigness of God if we see creation. That's the limit we can do. We look at the complexity and the beauty of creation, we know that there is a God who is intelligent, who is sophisticated, who is gracious, who is generous, who is good. That is what we see in nature. Nature proclaims that glory of God. And when we see the far-flung galaxies, and we think that that galaxy in the far-flung age of the universe is created by the God who is present with us in our worship now, I think your, our mind should be blown up. We should be speechless that there is this God. Sometimes I believe that the atheists believe of the greatness of God more than us who are believers. Well, the atheists don't believe in God anyway. But their objection of God is that, one of the strongest objections I find they have of God is that the audacity, the audacity of us to claim we know God. We know the creator of those supernova. We claim to know the, the God who can fuse together the atom. The audacity to know that this is a personal person who walked with us. The scientists say, come on, you are talking rubbish. You don't even know. I want to say the Queen of England, but she's deceased. We don't even know some great guy somewhere. How do you know God? You know? The audacity of such claim. And they say, it is impossible for us, the small earth, compared to the vastness of the universe, to claim that we are special. And how much more special we think that 
this God who created this vastness of the universe is with us. Now, I don't want to go on and on about this in an apologetic way. Uh, in apologetic means to explain the Bible. We can have one session on apologi- uh, apologetics about the existence of God. But I want to capture this lastness of this concept. I am the Lord your God. And if we understand that we are the creatures of God, created by God, then we do not need the Ten Commandments or 613 Commandments. We should bow our knees already. It's enough. It's enough for us to worship and to obey and to frame our heart to that. There's a lot of practical implication to that. Even when we look at so-called troubles in our life, if God is the authority of everything and even time, and we believe that He cares for us and He actually dictates our future if we were to bow our knee to Him, this trouble will actually dissolve. There is no trouble too great that He cannot solve it. No ocean too deep. No chasm too wide that He could not help us through. How is He in your life if you have that kind of God walking with you? Sometimes we... When I was a teenager, just a teenager, I came to know the Lord two, two years. Somebody says that, look here, you know, your, your, your Christianity, speaking of God, the word, I, be, I he, he, he said, he knows of a magician and he has seen this magician done great things in using black magic. So I challenged him, as a young guy, not that I have that chupas or whatever, I say. Look here, I want you to say, you, you boast that your God, your, 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 what you believe is so powerful. Why don't you ask this guy to try his magic on me? My God is more powerful than that magic. If he overcomes that God in me, I don't want to believe in this God. You know what I mean? Because I'm confident. I know that the God I have is greater than that. It's much, much greater than that. So even as we, we, we approach the subject of satanic power and all that, please know that the authority lies in God. So the first thing I'd like to bring forward is when the people of Israel gather around, God says the first precursor is know that I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. And he continued to say that who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The next thing about God is he is the, not the God of the far away. He is the God who actually deals with situation of his people. He is the God who comes to relate to us. We may think that God is so big, therefore he can choose to be indifferent to us. Who am I? An individual amidst the millions of people, the billions of people, amidst the, the, the vastness of the universe that God took care for me. It's audacious thought, isn't it? 
that God should care for me. Now, if Jesus would not have stated it, I would not even dare to, to see it. But he says many times that he does. He even says that not even a sparrow fell down from the nest. He did not know. This is a God not limited by our thinking of limitation of thinking. God can fully be involved in your life to the full, even as he, 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 he relate and get involved in Jerry and Hasha's life to the full, and to Ralph to the full, and to my life to the full. He can pay all the attention there. He can be so personal. So personal. He's not a God of power. And he says here that I'm the God who takes you out of the land of Egypt. And this is one of the things which when we preach the greatness of the Lord, we have that we fuse that together. He's a big God and He is a personal God to all of us. A personal accountability. He, 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 he noticed and he wants us to be personal to us, relationally. Two weeks ago, I was asked, I mean, we have a discussion with some of my brothers and friends who we trace back to the time where, you know, we are young men and, and we were serving the Lord in, in uh in my, my, my country. And one of the questions we put ourselves to think of is that one of the problems in the church or Christian families is that we see the next generation we could not carry on. The, 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 the youth fall off from church after going through Sunday school program, Bible study, youth program, and we are asking ourselves, what do you think? Why, why, what do you think? What can we pass on to the youth such a way that they cannot deny the goodness of God? Give me some thought and reflecting on myself. I could not have been able to survive from my teenage all the temptation which is in front of me or I could not survive the argument of the, the, the atheistic argument presented to me in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the books I read or in the university I went to if not I have felt and know the personal God walking really with me. It's not just the, 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 the God who I understand in the Bible, but the God who I know walking with me. And I think this is what we need to be able to pray for, to, to be able to help if, if possible for our young children and youth and all that to have a personal, personal interaction with God. 
a personal interaction with God. That they know God as as person real. When I I face difficulty, I face difficulty in God. When I, I, I go to the darkest time of being tempted and falling and being restored through the, 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 the rough road of being a Christian, I go through because it's not trying to hold up to some principles of life in the Bible, but to face Him at every single moment when I do that. He is present. He is present. Sometimes it looks as though it is uh, ridiculous or it is uh, audacious, okay, audacious to think that God answers your prayer. Have you felt that sometimes? I've shared this before when I was facing an exam just before I entered university or being qualified to enter university. There was a single paper which is the most important paper in the whole exam and that's the national language and it is equivalent to Bahasa Indonesia and I hate it just because I'm not good at it. In all the monthly exams, I'm just scraping 40 marks, which is just above water. And I have to take tuition, try work hard at it, but I'm no good at language or somehow it just escaped me. And this is the most important because if I fail that paper, the rest of the exam, it could be mathematics, uh, geography, or whatever is it, is counted as irrelevant. You fail the whole exam. So when I was doing some group study with my friend, there is a news that an exam paper of that exam paper had been leaked out. It fall off the truck. And people were circulating it around and say, read this paper, you know all the questions. And in my study group, they're passing one to another, and it comes to my turn. And I help one, and I say, look here. I'm not sure it's fake news or real news, but I stand on the principle, because I'm a Christian, I cannot participate in this. It's quite a bold statement to say, but I was hoping that it's fake news. So that my exam group, they start to, you know, write out Moses' answer for every of the question, memorize it. And take it, you know. But anyway, they are better in that language than me. They are better. And still they do that. When the time of exam come, I sat for my exam, walk out the hall. I didn't know what was supposed to be said. All of them, about 60% of the students. And you're talking of the whole Malaysia taking the exam is probably in the hundreds of thousands. All of them, about 60% of them were still Hooray, we got the answer because we prepared for the same question came out. It really fell off the truck. My heart went down. I knew I failed. Because if they were to mark at the same level of these people, I would just, even if marked at the fair level, I would just scrape through. 
but this one, impossible God, what have you set me to do? The rest of the whole exam, I say, look here. I must well not study. But I just plowed, I just went on. And it was quite a challenge to my heart. And say, God, you know, to hold on to this word is costly and it's tough. And I'm just a two years Christian. What do you expect from me? But it's, it's done. I was hoping that it is a fake paper and it all happened. But it didn't turn out. So what happened was, after we said all the papers and all that, the news came out from the Malaysian Education Department who says, we're going to set the paper again because the, 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 the leak was too big. For the first time, they reset the paper. I think God did it for me. You, know, you can't. You, you just have to feel that. I don't know. God may have prepared the situation for me to go through the journey. I do not know. But for me, God did it for me. And when I said the second paper, I had the same struggle, so I just scraped and passed, just passed. But I'm saying that sometimes we actually take through the principle of God. God is a big God, and He wants to be involved in our life. And He wants us to take risks in His name. Hold His principle. Take to the end, like, like uh, Abraham take the son Isaac to the last moment. He take out his hand just before he plunged in. God says, stop. God will take us through that moment in life. In life. The other story which I told you all, which happened recently, and Chin said I didn't finish the story. I told you about how God led me to actually uh, buy a plot of land from the church to relieve the church. When I was driving, God said, you can do something with it, don't pray. So I bought the land, developed 22 plots, and for 10 years, held the plot. And every time I go and cut the grass, three tree was sold, but the rest was, you know, because we, 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 we went for body corporate, and in, in the place where I had the small rural town, they haven't heard of a 22-unit body corporate. So people were very shying away to, to get it. I said, God, you know, it's not that you can do it. When? And I'm prepared to say, I may have to pass this to my son to carry on. But there was no sense of that God cannot do. And audacious to me to say that because of the COVID, the COVID situation, when suddenly people all need to buy in the rural, overnight somebody can offer to buy the whole of my property. And it's audacious to think that God created COVID to solve my problem. But maybe God has put it aligned and we move along the tribe. But to me, this is personal. This is personal. Put a million dollars in risk, seeing no return, and just doing the work. So I'm saying that there is no trouble to be. God who delivered the people of Israel through the hand of the Pharaoh of Egypt, who created the whole universe, is a great God who wants to be personal to each and every one of us. And we must understand this. We must understand this. 
If we understand this, we do not need the 613 commandments. So therefore, in the context of verse 2, verse 3, when he told the, uh, the, the, the people, say, do not make graven image. It's an insult to me. Well, we relate differently to the people of the Israelites at that time. They were living in the culture where graven image is everywhere. To them to believe in the supernatural is, is part of the culture. But they have to remember if the God who creates such miraculous ten plates which break, broke the Pharaoh, physical visible plate to break the Pharaoh to take them out. They have seen it. They have walked through the opening of the water, walking through all of them. And God says, do not make any graven image. It's an insult. It is a logic. As I say, you know the first part that God is God who created you. The second part, it does not make you anything. You cannot make anything or dream of anything which can upset that. And you see that in your life. I have taken you out of the land of Egypt. How about us? Have we been able to open our eyes to see the journey we had as something God has worked, God has moved, God has intervened? We could be blind to it. But you really have to open your eye and reflect and meditate and see the, the, the corners which God took us through. And to acknowledge them and we'll be more blessed. We have to embrace, embrace what Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Open our ears when we read the Bible. Do not create God other than that. On your own imagination. Well, God can guide us. We should have what He gave us. We should actually let our meditation of God come from His Holy Scriptures. Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scripture is not just an instructional telling us who God is. It also has narrative. The story of David, the story of Abraham, the story of the prophet, where in this kind of setting, we actually unpack who God is and what God does. It is, it is as relationship is not easily spelled out, it's better to be observed and to, to study and to pull out. That is what the narrative are for. The narrative. Look to the gospel and see how good God is in Jesus Christ. We look at the narrative and we pull out. So, do not create God in any images, but if we have to meditate and form, form something we can hold on to, to pray about, 
to long for, it comes from the scripture. It comes from the scripture. So, brothers and sisters, let this year be something, a year whereby we open our eyes to the movement of God in our life, in our prayer life, in the life of our studies of God's Word, in our interaction with other people, go and see how God will move in your very life. That you can form a refreshed relationship with God, refreshed relationship with God. Now, as a warning, as I was repairing this, I'm not going to begin a, 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 a new, a, a, another passage to, to preach on. But Matthew 20, chapter 22, the parable of the wedding banquet, sort of come to mind and it starts to rattle in my brain and I think I have to share a warning. Now, Matthew 22 is about the, uh, the parable Jesus gave about the, the, the wedding which the, the king went out and invited a lot of people to come to the wedding banquet, but a lot of people are too busy. All right, that's another sermon. Forget about that first. But when he sent and for the next group to come, and people came in, and when the king was in in the the wedding and participating in that banquet, he noticed. Now this is the one. He noticed somebody slip in through without the proper attire. I feel that, and what happened is, in that parable, from the wedding banquet, the king sent the person, the picture suddenly turned so dark, it becomes spiritual, and the person was sent to hell. If you read the passage correctly. From a wedding banquet, parable, that kind of uh, genre, straight away, the person was sent to hell. I mean, if you stick onto the genre, he will say, send him there and the kid soldier will, will punish him. No, but that straight away lifted to hell. I really appreciate the when being with you, the journey you all have, and really long to every time meet up with you all. But I think that I have to always be watching out that among all the, 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 the practices we have, which look very Christian, that none of us here, not even one, will be having that destiny of being cast out because we just cloak ourselves we cloak ourselves with religiosity under the Christian emblem. But we do not know the personal presence of God in our life. Or we choose to ignore. We create that kind of God 
just like the, 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 the Israelite, just like the people of the capture. It is a God we create to be comfortable with, with all the religious practices. But we actually lost out because we only know about the religion of Christianity, but we do not know God, Jesus Christ personally. And I'm sure it will not apply to most of us. And I hope it doesn't apply to any of us to be in that stage. But as the elder, I have to continue to remind, to remind us to again tune ourselves and ask that question. Ask that question. Is God a personal God to me? Shall we pray? Thank you, God, that you would want to move into our life in a wonderful way. Under your mercy, dear Lord God, we come to you and we pray, dear Lord God, that this year we will actually experience you more and more. Help our eyes to be open to the wonderment of being under your welfare. Help us to acknowledge you in the ways we do things. We pray for this, dear Lord God. So thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.